This is The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, brought to you by Six Hour, Never Settle. Today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Steve Hatfield, uh, our distinguished fellow and virologist who has an extensive background in both the study and treatment of infectious diseases. And he will be walking us through the wonderland that is COVID, uh, mRNA, and everything else. So let's do a little bit of background, Steve. Dr. Steve Hatfield is a specialist. Uh, in is he's, he's a physician and virologist with a military background and separate master's degrees in microbiology, genetics, radiation, biochemistry, experimental pathology, and other related fields. His medical fellowship included Oxford University, the National Institutes of Health, uh, the National Research Council, where he studied Ebola viruses for the U.S. Army Institute for Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, an organization I have worked with. His background includes training certification as a UN weapons specialist for Iraq under the UM, I'm sorry, I'll just read it out, UNMOVIC. Since 2007, he has been involved in teaching emergency medical responses for mass trauma casualties in responses to several severe pandemic outbreaks of infectious diseases. Most importantly, Dr. Hatfield is a distinguished fellow at the London Center for Policy Research. Steve, uh, Dr. Hatfield, it's great to have you here for this discussion today. Thanks for joining us. Tony, it's always a pleasure. You are someone who I've admired from uh, afar before I knew you personally, and knowing you personally has just added to the the joy I have knowing that someone like you has been so committed to uh, the actual study of medicine and trying to get uh, what is factually and scientifically provable out. Now, I, that seems to be dare I say, a rarity these days based on what I've been seeing. And so uh, what I'm going to ask you to do today is kind of go through some of the things you've worked on. The first thing we're going to talk about is three seconds to midnight. This is something that I think the the American public has not seen a lot of. I I wish they would have seen more of before the pandemic. Let's talk about this as a beginning. And this this is our origin story, if you will. This is how you and I came to meet because uh, another a third uh, party, uh, I don't want to bring them up at this point. I mean, I, I, I don't think they'd care that much, but a third party brokered a meeting between you and I. And can you yeah. talk a little bit about our discussion at that meeting? Because I think it's pertinent to what we, we're going to cover today. Following the uh, 2014 Ebola debacle, where we showed that we really couldn't manage 11 Ebola patients on U.S. soil, I started a real deep dive into pandemic preparedness for the right. United States. I went over the uh, existing pandemic plans, uh, the uh, 2005 doctrine uh, by George W. Bush, uh, the effort that he spurred, went through that and went through the HHS volume, which really put the meat on it. And the more I got into this, the uh, more alarmed I became. These were all good starts in 2005, 2006. But then things got very confused under the Obama administration. Right. Uh, I just got more and more worried. So we started um, trying to find an alternate system for handling pandemics. And we were looking at NORTHCOM. And that's where you and I started to discuss things. Right. So most of the audience knows I've advised senior government organizations to include NORTHCOM and other organizations. But what's notable in this, Steve? Is, is as we're talking about this now, one of the things you brought up to me is the fact that we didn't have early warning. And I think we spent about 15 minutes in our first conversation where I'm saying, yeah, I agree with you. 
I've supported uh, the army on, on biomedical collection before. And I recognize that, uh, man, it's a big black hole. I mean, a handful of folks like you and, and uh, others were looking at this, but we were not yeah. prepared. And, and I would argue, I don't know if we're all that better, that much more prepared at this point. I think that's one of the points of your book, right, is that we should have essentially a, a, a passive system of detection that would allow for essentially through data mining, which, uh, you know, we're kind of famous. As you're, you're an expert. Uh, in that. I, yeah, it's like we found <laughs> the hard way that. Yeah. So so talk so, about, about that. Yeah, this yeah. was the idea. And there had been a pilot company set up called Baratech. They were on each coast. They they had uh, seed money. They had about 40 people working for them, venture capitalist money. Right. And they could scan hundreds of open source material, you know, just constantly 24 seven. And they had different language speakers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was very incredible what they could do. In 2009, they picked up the fact, not only the fact that Mexico was having an H1N1 influenza outbreak, but they actually located ground zero, which was a pig farm. Like with a million pigs or something. It was yeah. like some huge, fantastic number every year of pigs that they, they brought through there. Well, I could say and something to get me in trouble and I'm not. Just keep, keep it, going. Sorry, Steve. What did I do? No, no, no. It's me. I, I could say something really wise about the million pigs, but I won't. Just just keep going. Sorry. Okay. I'm distracting so, you. Sorry. My apologies. No, no. They had actually pinpointed ground zero. Yeah. We, uh, days before the CDC. The CDC never had any clue. The thing that originated in Mexico, they'd found through her, their traditional methods, their laboratory response network, they'd found two unusual H1N1 strains. Right. Uh, the Navy had found it. They were participating in the CD's program out right. in California, but they had no idea that this thing was underway in Mexico. So, it, 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 so wouldn't the fact that they didn't have a clue would be a clue to them that they need to do something to fix this? I mean... You would uh, think so. Would but think here's so. the other here's the other part. Yeah. Mexico doesn't like us. That's true. And when they realized that they were having problems, they didn't phone the CDC. They phoned the Canadian health people. <laughs> and the Canadians came down and figured out really quickly, yikes, this is an unusual H1N1 strain. It's a mixture of five different influenza viruses. We've never seen this before. There was real, real worry because the H1N1 strain caused the 2000, uh, 2000 and caused the big. <laughs> I've been awake all night working. That's okay. No, I know you're writing a book, which we're going to talk it's, about uh, here in a second. Yes, I know. The 2018 uh, lethal influenza pandemic that swept the world and uh, arguably killed 50 million people. Right. So I, I know we probably want to come back and talk about that some other day, but we get so much to get into yeah. our current stuff. With that said, just a reminder of folks, you know, please go out and pick up Steve's book, Three Seconds to Midnight. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it is literally chock full of, of information that we need to, you need to have. So let's, let's go, because I want to keep this going. Let's go to the sec, your second book where you did chapter three of a, of a book with Steve, with uh, Frank Gaffney, talking about uh, outbreak because this because this what you put in here leads to the fact that we failed regarding Wuhan. Uh, I would argue there's more to it than just failing yeah, we, to understand it. We there is a cover we, up that goes with it, which we can talk a little bit about, too. But please talk about talks about that second book you did. We failed because we didn't have a verification team. There you go. And in the first book, we go into that quite. We, we also need a military team that's trained to go into a conflict area because 
a lot of these things break out in what are called biodiversity hotspots. Right. Where the environment has been threatened and uh, animal viruses are jumping into the humans. So that's a whole two, three chapters there. Yeah. So let me just jump to the cut to the chase here. It seems to me the practical, actual, tried and true techniques to do reconnaissance, to set up uh, a global passive. Let me be very clear on this. This is passive. You would not yeah. be aggressively going out and trying to no, seek information. Open source. But it would be a passive system to detect hotspots. And then you want to have a team, a qualified team, to actually go in and assess the situation. Is that is that kind of an accurate stipulation? Yeah, you need a graded team. And, but but the problem is, it doesn't seem to me that we're actually doing any of this right now. It seems to me it's all posturing and all this, uh, let's just rely, if it hits us, we're just going to throw drugs at it. It seems to me that's that's what their solution is right the now. The CDC have had a uh, kind of a, I don't want to use the word leaf eater, but I will, <laughs> sort of a leaf eater approach and kumbaya and we'll make partners overseas. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have an early warning that way. And to some degree, uh, that's that's useful. But what about denied areas right? where we don't have access or a conflict area where there's a low-intensity war going on? We need the ability to either go in there or to go around the surrounding areas and look for refugees camps and this right. type of thing. Well, so um, to that, that point, some, some of those nations don't want you sniffing around their no. dirty business, right? I mean, that's like, no. uh, like you know, they're not going to want you in there trying to figure out what they're doing, because even if it's only for the benefit of understanding virology, yeah. they're going to think you're spying on everything else, which, you know, maybe you are. So I don't know. Tony, you got to have boots on the ground. Right. You have to have verification or a sample. This has to be like carry a pager 24 hours. Gold team, red team, blue team. I've, 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 as you know, I've run those things, and I get it. And yeah. you need to adapt a, a, an effective special operations response structure, which, just saying, I have been part of, to yes. this challenge and have it uh, essentially deployable, expeditionary, uh, on, a, I would mm -hmm. say, less than a 24-hour notice. I'm trying to get SOCOM interested in this, but it can be like pulling teeth sometimes. SOCOM has got their own issues right now, but we should – Again, talk about that a little bit later in our part two and our question and answer. So let's keep going down the path of, of the books and the response. So when you and Frank wrote your your part regarding uh, China, yeah. obviously uh, the cover-up was a huge issue and still is. I mean, uh, we were talking in the pre-show how uh, this kind of came up in the hearings that are ongoing right now regarding pandemic response or the bad yeah. pandemic response. Yeah. Um, a two-part question. First, what the heck were we thinking to fund uh, gain-of-function research relating to this 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 set of viruses? And secondly, do we really think the Chinese are going to volunteer information when I know for a fact on the information I have, they were they the Chinese were taking what we were funding and and breaking it off and putting it into their bioweapons program? Do you think they're going to talk about that? I don't think so. So you know, no. so over to you. There were indications. Not definite, but indications that something was happening in China uh, as early as uh, August, yeah, September timeframe of 2019. We go into this in the uh, the book's called uh, "The CCP as a War with America." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I did chapter three. There were some funny things going on. Hospitals were starting to fill up unusually. You could measure this on on satellite. The uh, parking lots were getting full and overflowing. Yeah. 
there were some unusual things going on, looking, going back and looking at uh, archived blood samples. Italy was seeing cases in the northern region in September of 2019. The China data we won't get into. Let's advance a little bit farther. Sure. And certainly by October, November, they were having problems. Uh, leaked memos were showing they were losing their mind. They put in over a million dollar surveillance system for hospitals to 24 seven inform the central authorities, you know, hospital beds, how many available ICU beds, how many available, so, any influenza like illness. Right. So let me and ask you a question. So th this was all coming up. Right. You, we, you obviously we know that now. Did, what, why did no one on our side even take note of this apparently until it was way too late to respond to it? Cause it, apparently this was all, like you said, kind of, these are observe, we, you know, as an intelligence officer, these are called observables. They are yeah. uh, linked to what I, we call then indicators. Uh, yeah. When you have an in observable that's linked to an indicator, that means that, that something's about to happen. Was, yeah. was no one looking at this? You need to understand the federal infrastructure, too. Oh, I understand it pretty well, but I, I'd yeah. like to have you, <laughs> you, you walk through this because our audience doesn't understand. We, it. Um, there was a time in 2005, 6, 7, whatever, somebody would have tweaked onto it, but um, uh, the uh, Obama administration, we used to, we used to have people you know, like that's all they did. Right. He sort of uh, got rid of a lot of that. He merged it, got rid of a couple offices. He brought the Homeland Defense people and the National Security people. They each have like a National Security Council thing. Oh, yeah. And he brought them all into one. And uh, it's just really never worked that well. So, yeah, what little it was working, it sounds like through uh, reorganization, he essentially disbanded or dispersed any focused capacity to actually detect the, the, the thing we're talking about, which is COVID here, right? I mean, essentially there was no, nobody was, everybody's so busy kind of doing uh, deck chairs on the Titanic, kind of shuffling around. They had yeah. no idea they were supposed to actually be doing their job. Is yeah. that accurate? Yeah. You know, Tony, to get a good White House team, you need a really good leader and you need yeah. some really top-notch people. And when you've got that and when they've had to solve problems together as a team, yeah. And they gain confidence in themselves. You you know the feeling when you join a team and like Oh, I do. Yeah. We got this. There's nothing we can't do. Several times I've been on teams like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, it's a it's a pleasure. It becomes your family. Yeah. They destroyed that by shuffling people around. So, let me I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but man, it just the timing always bothers me. I you know, I always have uh, this idea that coincidence uh, are simply uh, events which are hidden within the context of political action. So I just think that, man, there is something going on here because the timing is just really peculiar. I mean, I don't want to get you in trouble and I'm not, and I'm not a conspiracy, well, no. guy, as you know, but I mean, I just, the, the timing really the, I, the, raises questions. The shuffling and everything, you know, we had two back-to-back -back things in 2009, yeah. the H1N1 influenza and right. then the 2014 Ebola thing. Yeah. Now, these things are going to keep increasing. We've got a big worry right now with this new bird flu. It's just killed 500 sea I lions. I saw that today. I yeah. saw that on the news today. Yeah. We've never had that sort of a big chickens. Yeah. But we've never had that sort of a big mammal die off that I'm aware of. And those birds will be up here in the spring. They're yeah. migratory. They carry it from north to south. 
so uh, I mean, we really do need to get our act together here. Well, that's and that brings me to the issue of um, the next your next book, and uh, obviously that we're going to jump into the actual response that you're going to recommend based on your experience at the White House. So for next, so let's talk about your next book. Steve, yeah. what, what are you doing? Because you were up all night. I can tell from looking for those who are listening to us. You, I can look at Steve and tell that he's living off caffeine and uh, and uh, his good looks. So that's what's going on right now. So, Steve, tell us about uh, kind of what you're working on, what kept you up all night. Keep what? every night, by the way, and where, we're go where you're going with that. So. What happened was the uh, Clyburn committee tried to call me in to testify. They were yeah. after Peter Navarro for nothing. Oh, we'll cover that in a second. Happen. We'll go into that in a deep dive. Yeah. But um, they started making some accusations at me in, in their uh, second volume. And I thought, well, let's just go through these accusations. Yeah. But well, while we're at it, why don't we just tell the whole truth? There you go. Imagine so that. That, gu <laughs> that guided the first part of it. We show conclusively about early drug treatment, its effectiveness, not just in a local area, but in one of the largest slums, if you want to call it that, for lack of a, a better word, mm -hmm. in the world in India, and then provinces in India that used early outpatient treatment and provinces that didn't. And we tried to explain why India had half the deaths we've had. Yeah. So and their population six times bigger. Right. Exactly. And then I, with I understand. no high technology. Well, there's been, and then even with high technology, some nations in Europe went the other way saying, yeah, we're not locking down. We're, you know, we're going to live our mm. lives. And they also did not they buy suffered. into. Yeah. Then we had things like Switzerland that started it and then they stopped it because the U.S. FDA, everybody thought they were God's gift to medicine, pulled the drug, which they shouldn't have. And then their cases started going up again. And so Switzerland brought the drug back and you saw the cases go down and they yeah. controlled, the, controlled their part of the pandemic. There's, there's no question that it, it's if you treat the patients early, uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, cheap, dirt cheap. I think $11 for a, uh, a course. Right. Well, we'll, we'll get more into that. If you go to Paxlovid. Yeah. Well, we'll go into part two. So yeah. yeah, let's let's hold that to the second part. So we have our discussion. But anyway, next. so that was the first part yeah. of the book. And then we go into, okay, how do we fix this? Yeah. And it starts with developing a state-of-the-art surveillance system. But then how do we do, let's say, air defense? We just had the balloon stuff go on. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. How do, that system works, right? Why it was it detected. Work? Yeah, no. It, look, Steve. I Why know for a fact work? we knew we knew about that balloon when it hit uh, twenty thousand feet above China. It's still in China. Trust Why me. Why does it work? Because they combined their surveillance system with their reaction system. Right. This is what we need to do. First, they verify it. They send jets up. Yeah, it's a balloon. I can see it. Or ground-based observations that started the ball rolling. NORAD's watching this thing. It went all the way up the command authority. What are we going to do? Well, why don't we just listen to it for a while? It was all one, and it's rehearsed as one. It Norad is. NORAD rehearses all the time. We exercise Up to it, the right. point where the guys in the missile silos get a, a training signal, and they simulate turning the keys. Oh, yeah. There's some great movies about this, too. So I'm yeah. just saying, but yeah, yeah. But this is why it works, because it's all connected. So let's And it's let's tested just, repeatedly. 
let's just isolate this for a second. We just yeah. went through a pandemic that saw the largest transfer of wealth from the from the yeah. middle class to the rich, where we had millions die. Yeah. And yet that yet a a a a an event that is highly unlikely, that is to say, a you know, it could happen. It's possible because we've invested billions into this early warning of of threat. The very threat we have not invested in is the one that devastated our economy, killed millions of people, and continues to be something that is uh, essentially uh, a, a a mass fundraiser for big pharma. Is that accurate? I mean, it's like yeah, how- that's that's accurate. Tony, you and I were up at the Pentagon together. Yes, we were. Stating this <laughs> we stuff were. is more yes, dangerous we than nuclear weapons. Yeah, because it won't destroy a city. It'll take down the infrastructure of a whole country. Right. So, and, so that's my point. It's like, okay, nuclear weapons are bad. We've invested in, in being able to stop that. But ironically, if, if a nuclear weapon, weapon's launched, just saying, it's like too late to stop it. It's like, you're yeah. going to get hit. But yeah. here's something that we could actually, re- we could actually detect, uh, respond. Uh, we could detect, respond, and then create an adequate response. It didn't response. even have to be... We've got 20,000 FDA licensed drugs, 20,000. Wow. Some of those have antiviral activity. Right. We don't know. Right. No one so, thought an anti-malarial drug would be good against the virus. Well, let's talk about that. So, yeah. So I want to say that part two some with our antibiotics have right. antiviral properties. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hold that for part yeah. two, but let's finish with the White House. So you, this next book is going to go through and kind of identify the, the inter- interrogatories, who, what, when, yeah. where. Last so, few minutes here. Let's go through your experience with Peter Navarro. Uh, we worked together to get you in. You got in. God bless yeah. you. Uh, you know, you did things that I was amazed by. And, and just for the audience to know, that's why we were often able to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Despite the despite the censorship, which we, we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. But so tell us about the White House and this guy named uh, Anthony Fauci. That, that guy's a, oh. he's pretty interesting. So let's talk a little about that. I came in uh, as an outside medical advisor. I wasn't on staff. To Peter Navarro. Yeah, to Pete yeah. Navarro, uh, the president's advisor for trade and manufacturing policy. Right. Import, important position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Peter had recognized the threat early on he did. because he has like an enormous amount of common sense and intelligence. Lacking in D.C., just saying. Well, it was lacking in the, the COVID-19 task force. Yeah. They were running around doing their own thing which was basically organized the federal plan, and they were doing nothing for the local authorities. And this is where the pandemic actually occurs. If every hospital and local authority can handle their medical surge, their increased demand for doctors, hospital beds, ICU equipment, drugs, then the nation as a whole can handle their pandemic. Right. Everyone has a pandemic plan, but they don't rehearse it or they don't buy the necessary equipment. And some are worse than others. Some are good, but that doesn't stop a pandemic. And when your New York City governor or New York State governor says, well, we don't have enough hospital beds, put them in with all the elderly people in the nursing homes, and you wonder why everyone dies. Peter was an, is a no-nonsense guy. He'd identified the problems early. Namely, all our drugs come from China, 80% of them. Right. What if the infrastructure in China collapses? Or what if they just decide they're not going to give us any? Yeah. Or India. India shut our, our drug supply off for a while. So we had to return as a strategic thing. We had to return drug manufacturing back to the United States, number one. Number two, 
personal protective equipment. We had actually sent some over to China. Italy had sent some over to China, being a good Samaritan. And then when Italy needed it, China would only sell it back to them. So all these things that should have been fixed weren't. Right. So, so yeah. So, so now we've got to make masks. We got, where are we going to find PPE? Right. So Peter got go on the phone. He phoned his fi Fortune 500 company friends and private industry donated, I kid you not, millions of items. They stepped up to the plate. They realized it was a crisis. Right. I'm so proud of them. Well, let's, let's, uh, we got to take a hard break here, Steve, and let's bring that up on the second part of our discussion interview where we bring in the panel. We'll begin right here with this. And we want you to tell the story of Tony Fauci on the Zoom. Did he have to have a booster seat when he sat down? I'm not, don't give up any trade secrets on that. I mean, if you, I mean, there's no, there's no dishonor in being short and having to have a booster. Just saying. I mean, I'm not being critical. Just, you know, uh, I'm people. People need that. So know. anyway, hey, we're we gotta take a break. This is uh the hard truth, Tony Schaefer. We'll be back right after these comments from our sponsors. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared. Sea level rise has not been unusual and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. 
Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Hey, this is the Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. We're back for part two, uh, brought to you by Sig Sauer. Never settle. By the way, I've always got a Sig within arm's reach, just saying, you know, people question it. I, I do. And also, uh, you guys have probably heard the fabulous music we use for the intro and, and uh, parts of the show. It's done by uh, our dear friend Cherie Curry, uh, the, uh, the voice of the Runaways. Uh, her song, it's off her new album. Obviously, the rock and roll oblivion we all live in is something we're trying to deal with right now. So, Cherie, God bless you. Thank you for letting us use your song. And here we go to part two of our interview with Dr. Steve Hatfield. Steve, uh, welcome back. Uh, thanks for being on. We've been joined by Elizabeth and Tanya. Uh, Chris is always here calling the, calling the shots. Chris, uh, so we're going to roll into this, and I'm going to let Steve uh, tell his Dr. Fauci story, and then we're going to kind of have uh, a discussion of some of these other issues which we want to touch base with. So here we go. Steve, tell us about the Peter Navarro uh, perspective, a little bit more on, on atmospheric. The audience wants to hear kind of what was going on. And the Fauci thing, people are always fascinated by. I mean, I don't know how a garden gnome becomes a major figure in American politics, but there you go. So tell us about uh, how, how that happened. A lot of people don't know that Pete Navarro saved hundreds of thousands of people because he doesn't mess around. Right. The only reason we got the hydroxychloroquine was because he went down and had a fight with Fauci in the Situation Room. <laughs> That's the only reason we got it. Really? Fauci was just dismissing, oh, it's anecdotal. It wasn't randomized clinical trial. And uh, anyway, eventually, for various reasons, no studies were being done for early use. It was all late hospital use because of the way the FDA intentionally wrote the EUA. Right. Doctors were still prescribing it in private practice, and it was working wonderful. And we actually started to see a little plateau in New York City, but uh, they couldn't have the drug and the vaccines and the new drugs that Pfizer and- uh, So let's hit that. So what you're making. saying to us, yes, yeah, so what you're saying to us is Peter Navarro, who's in charge of the kind of the, he's like the ground guy trying to run the, run the Trump economy. He recognizes from his contacts- Absolutely. That, that, that we're about to get hit economically. And yeah. oh, by the way, the very people who are supposed to be advising the president on all of the the response issues are, are yeah. off pretend in la la land uh, yeah. was was fauci bought off were they all bought off by big pharma because it seems to me they all enriched themselves as a part of the process of choosing uh these experimental mrna which we're going to get to next the mrna gene therapies over tried and true responses i don't know but there's a lot of funny things you know I steve well, Hahn, funny not haha but steve funny Hahn suspicious was, no not haha Steve Hahn was uh, commissioner of the FDA. Yeah. And uh, he was following this hydroxychloroquine uh, on a big doctor's chat group. I know because his name was in front of mine. Yeah. He was aware that this drug was working. And he got on a radio program and said, 
Oh yeah, I think I think there's it's doing something. But he didn't lift a finger to do. Re we were trying to help the Ford Group reestablish an EUA so they could do some studies that would Fauci would approve of. So basically, you're saying you were trying to advise to do, dare I say, science to actually yeah. try to determine yeah. uh, the efficacy of the response and what to, drugs are working to, and not. To Fauci standard, which nobody's that stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, when only about 14% of the treatment protocols for American Society of Infectious Diseases are based on randomized controlled clinical trials, there's a reason for that. Right. RCTs tend to downplay any effectivity of the drug. Observational studies, controlled observational studies are just as good. Right. And the magnitude of effect, the benefit we were seeing, 80% improvement in mortality? This isn't just because you didn't have randomization. Right. It's real. So, so let's roll into that. So here we go with the... So uh, Peter's going to, we're going to sit down. They gave us five papers that this is why we withdrew the EUA. Two of the papers were small sample size and nonsense. You couldn't tell anything from it. One of the papers actually, well, actually two of the papers, when you did the proper statistics on it, showed benefit. And one of the papers, uh, it wasn't even peer reviewed. Yeah. Which means it means nothing. Yeah. When you're that desperate, you have to show a non-peer reviewed paper. Anyway, we go into the war room, which is really, I don't know if you've been in there. It's, um, it's, it's a, a beautiful room. It's almost opulent tans and dark browns and padded leather chairs and an original like george washington picture above the fireplace big long table big screen it's all modern you know in the middle and uh so peter's in there i'm trying to sit off to the side because i'm expecting fauci to have one or two of his people with him boy what comes on the screen is about like half the covid 19 treatment panel Usually when people do this, it's, they figure it's safety in numbers. That's been right. my experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we were going to have a good discussion. Here's all the studies we have, and there were extensive number of studies. I right. can't remember the exact figure. And you've got five papers, and you're basing everything on those four or five papers. We've got excellent, large-scale, 1,200 patients. 2,000 patients. It's all showing the same thing. It's got to be there. I'm sitting off to the side because I don't want to be in the camera frame. I want them to kind of think they've got Peter and they can start their nonsense. And they did. They brought the uh, statistician on and he's doing this and that. Well, Peter's pretty good statistician himself. This guy's rabbiting on and on. And then Dr. Fauci's talking. And he says, you know, every drug we have has been through a randomized clinical trial. And I don't know, I just lost it. I'm on camera now and I'm like, that is the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard. And you're telling me that every drug has been through a randomized clinical trial. Oh yeah. You know, and Gulick in New York, guy from New York, he's on the Zoom thing. Oh yes, every drug is, I said, this is the biggest load of uh, nonsense so you they know, were lying on the inside, too. They weren't only lying to the yeah. American public. They were lying to you as the experts. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. When we had the, uh, the, the medical items, the PPE being donated by these big companies, the six of us in the office were shipping it right to the hospital. Oh, I've got I nurses oh, I on the that. other end of the phone so, well, crying because 
they're down to their last mask and here comes boxes. No, I remember that. So Steve, so just, this is a good teaser for your book. So you, you're, you're outlining this in your new book, right? This is all going to be in your new book. What's what's the, what's the, what's the working title of the new book, by the way? I don't know. I was going to call it level six. That is go in to the FDA and fire six levels down. Well, there you go. That's well, that's part of the solution. Survive the editor. Fit and healthy people are dropping over. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, I was, as I mentioned, I'm watching uh, I, I, off when we did the prep. I mentioned Dr. Jo- John Campbell of the UK, where he's mm-hmm. talking about breast milk, about issues regarding the things he thought of a study, bring us just these actual studies uh, that mice that, that were given the mRNA uh, vaccine. I think it was mm-hmm. the Pfizer one. Uh, experienced yeah, uh, the 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 trans the transmission of this out of the arm into the body, into the heart, lungs, testes, brain, uh, all these tissues, indicating that bio distribution was occurring. I don't think it's supposed to happen, based on what I was told. No, it's supposed to stay in the arm. And so, Pfizer knew this. They had uh, fluorescently labeled it. Pfizer knew this. They didn't submit it to the U.S. and the U.S. didn't ask them for the data. The Japanese actually had to sue Pfizer wow. to, uh, to get the study released. Remember, these are the guys that weren't going to release anything for 70 years. Right. So like How does that happen? Dead. Well, anyway, I want to turn it over to the group. So you guys jump in now as you want. So is there anything you guys want to start off with, Steve? Quick question here. Uh, Dr. Hatfield, th- there were two very important committee hearings in Washington this week. One of them was the House Oversight Committee on Twitter's... Uh, handling of information with a Biden laptop, but also the COVID situation came on, uh, was was discussed in there as well. Also, the Energy and Commerce Committees had a joint hearing about the federal government's response to COVID. Quick question on that. Lawrence Tolak, the acting head of um, the acting head of the NIH, is saying he doubled down on this and the New York Times celebrated it in an article. He doubled down on the idea that that there was no gain of function research and uh, and there was no possible way, at least that's what he's saying, no, po- he, no possible way that there was a Wuhan lab leak or any kind of lab leak, which of course has been proven otherwise. Fire six levels down. And I'll say this openly, and I hope the guy sues me. He has to know better than that. He's not keeping up with current events. There was gain of function going on. It looks like Pfizer may have been doing something similar. They call it directed evolution. I had to remember it was in October 2021 when the NIH finally admitted publicly that the U.S. was actually funding um, the gain of fun- function research in Wuhan. But you'd yeah. already um, you'd already uh, spoken about that, and I was just kind of wondering, like a little bit more that you know about that, but. I'm trying to figure out what was it that took the NIH so long for them to finally admit it? I mean, were they, were they pressured? They needed, to, they needed to come up with a, a, I don't think Anthony Fauci actually knew what was happening. He's an administrator. Okay. Mm-hmm. He partitions research funds from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Ralph Berrick was a, uh, uh, investigator in North Carolina if you're going to look and do these kind of strange experiments, you need to use human tissue. And of course, humans aren't going to volunteer for this, but you can engineer like the receptor, the human receptor for the COVID virus. You can genetically put that into mice 
and they grow up into adults and they have this receptor in their lungs. So we call them humanized mice. You can play around with the virus and you can see, well, this makes it less infectious, this makes it more infectious. The idea behind all this was for good. It was if we start seeing variants appear in the population that have this mutation, we should be very, very worried. So it has legitimate purposes. Yeah. For the vaccine people, especially now that we know there's this template for coronavirus, and all you have to do is change that little segment and type it into the computer that makes the gene. There it is. It's inserted, and off you go. If you have the sequence ahead of time made, you just put it onto your backbone and uh, off, off it goes. It was for rapid response. But there's certain things you don't go down. I mean, we could use prisoners for medical experiments, right? Some, peop- some, some we, countries have. Well, we don't. Right. And you don't even go down that path. If this is gain of function, we have this reasoning for such, you know, or however they want to term it right now. Yeah. Um, how did that go awry? Um, you know, if we don't want to go conspiracy minded, we're just being rational. How did, how did everything change? But it looks like with the what the Project Veritas, uh, you know, revealed uh, mm-hmm. was that. And, and Sasha, there's a, a, a researcher named Sasha Let. Latipova, Latipova, she has just come out with that DOD, uh, DARPA, and and then basically how it's um, the the Boston Global Consultant. Um, it's the consultant with all the big pharma, and then they make the development. So somehow there's a rationale for this emergency use, and therefore they didn't have to really give. Uh, citizens the informed consent that we're used to assuming we're going to get and it's as if we are the test subjects right you are your face so that's the point it's like it's one thing to go out and discover and categorize viruses it's another thing completely to then take through techniques that the united states developed and weaponize them essentially by gaining gain of function and so who who opened is titania's who opened that door someone had to open that door I think very could the uh, they have one of the world's top coronavirus researchers, uh, a female, very good, the uh, SHO14 strain in the Mojang mine, a uh, very dedicated scientist. Everybody works for the PLA, right? The People's Liberation Army. Everyone, and, and that's um, a good note. So people need to be reminded that in China, the PRC, they are essentially uh, everything in the country, to include businesses, are overseen or wholly owned by the government. Right, Steve? I mean, it's just, yeah. that's the way it is. So it, there's, no, it is. there's no independence. China's had a terrible problem with this virus. I mean, a really serious problem. We the, nobody in their right mind is going to intentionally release this on their own population. Mm. This, this had to have been an accident. I guess if you make a mistake in China, mm. I guess there's pretty severe penalties. I don't know. People aren't going to... Um, Oh, I've just made a mistake, and I think I'm exposed. They don't even kind of do it here because, you you know, you go in the slammer for 14 days. The problem was this virus, normally when a virus jumps species, like from a bat to human, it may cause a severe disease, but it's usually not transmissible from human to human. The virus hasn't learned how to live in man. The COVID-19 virus, SARS-CoV-2, seem perfectly adapted to man from the from the get-go 
and nobody's been able to find an intermediate animal species. And if you try to give it back to bats, it's not that infectious to bats. Well, there's some, part, there, there's some parts. There's particularly interesting components that have affected us quite differently than a normal vaccine because we know this isn't a traditional vaccine. Right. It's a it's gene a therapy. Gene and, therapy. And, you know, I don't know all of the ingredients, if the ingredients have been known, have been investigated in question for um, the purpose of them, if that's they, still in they, the they won't, they, won't, they won't tell anyone. Interesting. There's a recent paper that just came out. They got a hold of some vials of, uh, I think it was the Pfizer. They put it under Raman spectroscopy and they were getting graphene signals. Now, these vials don't have chain of custody from where they were collected, chain of custody all the way to the laboratory signed off. So it, it's not forensic material. But I was very surprised. And this had been, when we, when we spoke at the, clo at the uh, Rome summit, uh, we spoke to the Roman Senate, and uh, one of the researchers had graphene data back then. But uh, this was this was done uh, really, really properly. So, so there's the possibility. You know, we don't know what's in it, but we do think the batches vary from batch to batch. Mm -hmm. For yeah. some well, so, speaking of that, Steve, I'm concerned yeah. because my son had to take it, and I've heard that literally where you got the shot in the process of the bottle. Like, I mean, even. It's going to become of those people who have had multiple doses. And uh, frankly, at this point, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just going to say this. It sounds like if you've never been vaccinated, you have intimate contact with someone. You you end up with any some of the potential hazards that they have. I mean, if you have sex with you someone, it's like shedding? it's like having sex with a zombie. Apparently you can be infected. No. I mean, is that, is that accurate? I'm, no. What they're shedding is is the spike protein. It's not the whole virus. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So the <laughs> yeah. spike protein, your whole body, all your orifices have have oh, boy. Uh, spikes and orifices. Don't go together, with us, Steve. I'm just saying. Here's where it goes down. Those are not terms people like hearing. All your orifices have their that's, defense that's like, Okay, system, then. And they have these enzymes that will chew up proteins. Yeah. Uh, you're fairly well protected. It hasn't been a widespread phenomena. What are the consequences that you've seen? Obviously, the breast milk, and we see a lot of things that are happening now, but what are the other consequences that you've seen and that you also predict from not just the vaccine, but from the booster? I refuse to get the, I didn't really want to get the vaccine, but I had to to keep my job. Here's what's happening. Your immune system is designed, you've got really an innate immune system, and then you have a mm -hmm. side, side, cell mediated. Mm -hmm. And it's designed, it's constantly, you know, every cell in your body has a marker, a flag that says, hey, this is me. Mm -hmm. Don't bother me. I'm supposed to be here. And then the virus doesn't have that. And these lymphocytes, T cells, are constantly on patrol, like uh, policemen on the beat with their billy club. Right. And if they see something that doesn't have a flag, they go over and, and beat it. And in fact, sometimes they even damage the normal surrounding tissue. You can handle little bits of uh, COVID-19 virus. This is how herd immunity gets built up. Herd immunity, what we call the minimal thresh, the minimal infectious uh, disease. So your immune system still recognizes it and it still makes a little bit of a so, response. You know, for those of us like my, my, you know, I'll just say a family member who, who had um, 
has been vaccinated and I, 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 I asked them, you know, maybe consider looking further at it because on the booster, maybe that they're not really necessary to have the booster and, you know, that there have been a lot of issues with it. So basically, you know, for those who are questioning taking the booster, I mean, I'm not going to give medical advice, but I guess you can just extrapolate from what well, you've said I, and what I we can tell you what the, what the data sense. shows. All I can do is tell you what the data shows. The vaccine was good for the first couple months. Seemed exactly. to do something. It didn't protect protect against infection, but it may have helped keep some people out of the hospital. May. But after that, the the virus is extinct. It mutated. Right. It became other things. So your natural immune system looks at all the different proteins in the virus, the cops on the beat, you know, the spike protein, the end protein, it's looking at all of them. It blows the whistle and some of the other cops that recognize end protein come over. And you have sort of a broad sort of response to it. When you take the messenger RNA vaccine, it's like a big club, wham, this is all you're supposed to look at is this one protein. And then you get a, boot, a second shot. Wham, don't look at these other proteins. Look at this one protein. Wow. Exactly. And, that, and this, this spike thing stays in your body for months. Yes. You've reprogrammed your immune system to yep. the point where the majority of people hospitalized now are the fully vaccinated, not the unvaccinated. Exactly. This is exactly. why you don't want to take that kind of shot. But a good shot, and, and I'll tell you what a good shot would be. Something from yeah. a nice Sig Sauer. Then I can tell. Oh, Sig Sauer. So we're bringing up my favorite subject. So That's right. Quick. So those uh, who know me know that I carry Sig. There's my hat. So Sig Sauer is our sponsor. <laughs> and I have actually recommended uh, to all my friends and family to use Sig Sauer. Uh, right now, uh, I have within reach always a Sig Sauer weapon. And for those who followed me, uh, read the book, op my book, Operation Dark Heart, I actually carried uh, an M11. It, it, that was my choice. I had a lot of choice of weapons when I went into combat in 2003. And my choice was Sig Sauer. And the choice was made because it works. So uh, as I've gone through my career, done a lot of stuff that is, uh, I think, would be considered dangerous, hazardous to one's health. Uh, but one is trained to be able to sustain themselves in the most difficult of conditions. And anytime I've been in a difficult condition, uh, I, I can tell you for a fact that Sig Sauer has been the weapon I've chosen to be there on my side in those conditions, and it never failed me. So as we say, never settle. Uh, the only thing you should settle for is a Sig Sauer. And so, again, our good friends at Sig have, have helped bring you today's program. Uh, we anticipate that we'll be doing some uh, Second Amendment-focused stuff very soon. Um, we have some interesting guests. People will, will know who our guests are. They're going to be notable as well as famous. So I think we got some great stuff coming up. Right, Chris? We do. And we also have something very special. We're going to, we're going to end every show with something called Tony's Take. We're going to That's throw right. a couple of things at Tony, and we're going to get your take on it. And yes, the panel, feel free to jump in here. Uh, Brought to you by Six Hour, by the way. Absolutely. Tony, let's just make it one, okay? I can All throw right. some articles at, at any time. We're limited right now. All right. But as you know, Sig Sauer never settle. We never did settle. settle. We settled for kind of subpar entertainment. Well, maybe not subpar entertainment. The entertainment value was, I'll tell you what, funnier than Night Court would have been. Yeah. Okay. Right. The new, the new Night Court, not the old one. The State of the Union speech. 
Uh, I call it the get off my lawn speech. Uh, looks like we have the uh, the great Cornholio Dwight from the office. Uh, Joe wasn't, Biden showed up for this one. Wasn't that the Geritol special? Didn't it? Wasn't it sponsored by Geritol? <laughs> wasn't it? I could swear it says something about Geritol somewhere. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, so, so the first, the first notable thing is that he, that this is notable. I, I've, I've got a degree in environmental studies. I actually did study it because, gee, I'm concerned about the environment. I am. Uh, he said, oh, you know, we can't get energy companies to produce energy because, gee, um, they're afraid I'm going to shut them down. And, of course, oh, no, they shouldn't be listening to me because we need it for 10 more years. What? <laughs> I mean, he, he encapsulated three things in that one comment. First, the economic conditions caused by him through this is is inflation is a result so you've got inflation because all the energy spikes uh, all those people who should be out taking those profits putting them back in reinvesting them aren't going to do that because duh joe said multiple times during the campaign he's going to shut down uh oil it's going to shut it down so why would you invest and third and most importantly i think it just shows the fact that the green energy is a complete and utter hoax it's never going to work. It's no way it's going to actually produce uh, what they say, which is renewable energy. And, and Steve, I know this is a bit out of your 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 uh, lane of, of expertise, but I can tell you as a credential expert that the, the globe is not going to heat to the point of where we have mass climate change. Climate change is something driven by geologic time. Geologic time is that which uh, climate actually produces long-term and sustainable results. We are not going to have any sustainable results by the fraction of a percent of a fraction of a percent of the actual CO2 we put in the atmosphere. And notably, uh, we cannot live without fossil fuels. And it, it's just, it was just both an admission of his utter uh, stupidity to even say that out loud, and then an admission that, yes, it's his fault that we're having the economic conditions we are. So that, that's my take on, on at least that issue. So. <laughs> What about the kiss? The call oh, the kiss. I don't, I'm not even getting into that one. <laughs> I, I moment when it, you know, that I was, was weird. weird. It was no, weird. But, you know, I don't know what their intentions were. Maybe a real quick peck and then somebody leaned in accent. I mean, I don't know. At least there was I, no tongue. I, I, yeah. I was no. just I was more impressed that he, uh, you know, got through it well. And I, you know, I was kind of holding my breath and thinking, you know, I'm sure many people were. I wasn't hoping he would mess up. I just I was holding my breath, just thinking, oh, geez, it's so difficult to listen to him. And I couldn't take it toward the very end. I just had to go. I was like, this is I've heard enough of what I think are lies. And I, I was like, this is just no, no, no. So I went all the way to the end and then right at the end, I, I just couldn't let, let it go on. But I did like Sarah, what Sarah Huckabee Sanders had to say. And, yeah, you know, I resonated with what she had to say so much yeah. more. And, and it's like, because not because I'm opposing it, Well, I do, but what this administration's done, but it, it, there was not, it wasn't fact-based. It was storytelling. They already prepped us for it going in. Right. They led us to that. They let us know, Oh, well, he's going to make, you know, so we weren't even looking for any real hard statistics or any really right. truth anyway. Well, that's it. And that, that's a good place to end this all on. Dr. Steve Hatfield, 
uh, we want to have you back. Uh, as a matter of fact, sure. uh, we want uh, we'll 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 talk to you offline, but we want to get some other recommendations to create a, the conditions for a con conversation on this to continue. So uh, I think our panel today, uh, Dr. Steve Hatfield, Elizabeth, Tanya, Chris. Uh, we'll be uh, going forward with uh, some more compelling guests next week. To end this, Chris, uh, on this, on this, uh, Steve, I, I got this from the Department of Defense. It says, "Take, charge take charge your of your health." Imagine that's from DOD. So mm -hmm. it seems to me there's some like disconnects here. You know, there's a intellectual uh, disconnect by the fact that they're encouraging us to be take charge, but man, the policies go the other way. It's insane. DOD's got a serious problem. You see what they've done to the pilot physicals. Well, let, we'll save that for another day, unfortunately. So, again, thank you all for being here today. We were brought to you by Six Hour Never Settled. And, of course, a shout-out uh, to our friend Cherie Curie for her allowing us to use her amazing song, Rock and Roll Oblivion. Uh, so uh, this is Tony Schaefer uh, for The Hard Truth, and we're signing up, and we hope to be talking to you again very soon. I woke up in a derelict delirium To a stranger's kiss and a broken opinion With all my friends in a 